Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Good morning, good morning, Lighthouse Church. I'm trying to accommodate this water here. It seems to not want to stay in place, but um, man, I'm so happy. I'm so excited that I get to share a message today um, that has been in my mind. A pastor came to me a few weeks ago and he was like, hey, are you down to give a message on March 6th? I was like, all right, let's go. Um, so with that, I, I know I'm going to get you seated. Um, I'm going to, I have an opening verse if we can just put it up on the screen as I get this thing going here. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. You guys, don't you guys love the way they jam out as the announcements go on? I'm just like, yeah, announcements, just, you know, jamming out. It's so cool. Um. So let us, let's open up with this verse here. It's 2 Kings 22, uh, 1 through 2. It should be up on the screens. And it says like this. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah from Boscath. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. If you could just bow your heads right there where you are. Father, we come before you and we are privileged to be gathered once again, Father, in your presence. And you've been just so good to us. And I pray that in these next few moments here that you would speak to us, that you would teach us something new about your word, God, and that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers. I pray that you would plant a seed, God, that, that would be watered and God, that it, that it would flourish and it would grow into something, God, that would bring us closer to our purpose. Thank you once again, Father. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are kicking off a brand new series called The, the Long Shots. Uh, the Long Shots, it's, you know, it's about how God used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And what we just read right now was of a boy who was eight years old, appointed to be king. How many of you remember what you were doing when you were eight years old? Anybody remember? I know some of us are like, yeah, that was so long ago. I remember uh, eight years old, I was in the third grade. I was doing big things. I don't know about you, but I was attending uh, San Marcos Apostolic Church. Eight years old, yeah, yeah, shout out. Uh, but I remember that eight years old, I was reciting week after week a full chapter of the Bible in Spanish. That's right. A full chapter of the Bible, just by memory. I would memorize it throughout the week and come back on Sunday, and boom, I would get up there in front of all the congregation, and I would recite a full chapter. Your, your boy was doing big things, you know. Um, but it wasn't by choice. Shout out to my dad, who used to lock me in a room and make me memorize a full chapter of the Bible and not let me out until I had done so. Um, it would be hours sometimes. I would dread it. I mean, he would bring me food through like a hole and, you know, 
kidding. I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. But it was bad. I, but I remember it. And, uh, I, and it, so it wasn't really by choice, except for this one time. This one time it was by choice because I remember eight-year-old me, and I was the only one that was doing it, right? I was the only one week after week, chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, just reciting, reciting, reciting. And then all of a sudden, this one brother, Brother Jonathan, he just decides he's going to go up there too and recite a full chapter of the Bible that I had already recited. I was like, why, why is he doing the same chapter I did? But you know what? What kind of got to me and what kind of triggered me a little bit is that he threw in one extra verse. As to say, yeah, yeah, I beat you. And I remember that I came home that day. I was like, yo, dad, lock me up. I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> and uh, all, all that to say is that when, when you're eight years old, there's not a lot of expectation, right? There's ordinary expectations. You know, I have an eight-year-old boy now, and so every now and then I lock him up, you know, just so that he learns the way I learned. I'm kidding. No, I don't. But I, maybe I should. I bring him up here, have him recite, or maybe in L kids. Who knows? Um, but, you know, I look at him, and I see a kid with great potential. I see a, a kid that is bright. He's smart and with a, with a bright future ahead of him. That's what I see in my son. But I wouldn't put him in charge of my household. I wouldn't make him president of the United States. That's just not something that's ordinary for a kid that age. Uh, but we read here in the Bible of a kid that God used to do extraordinary things. Like eight years old. Eight years old and God used him um, but what was, what was different in his life? What, it, what are some things that we can learn from Josiah that we can apply in our lives that would help us go from just doing ordinary to doing extraordinary? You know, because that's, that's the goal. That's the purpose. God wants to use each and every one of us. And we're not called for extraordinary things. We're called for the extraordinary. I mean, God uses us, simple people, and will use us to do extraordinary things, just like Josiah. And we look at that, and we look at the life of Josiah, and let me just give you some context on the life of Josiah, so, because it's crazy. Josiah was the son of Amon, who was the son of Manasseh. I think that's how you say it, Manasseh. That's how I'm going to say it. Um, so Manasseh was this, the Bible tells us that this guy was evil. Like, he was disgusting. Like, the things that he was doing, like, he was setting up shrines and altars for pagan gods. He would bow down and he would worship them. But, but what was gross about it is that he would bring it to the temple, the temple that was dedicated to God. He would bring them and he would make people bow down and he would encourage the worship of these idols and these false gods. And the Bible tells us that he aroused God's anger. Not only that, but he sacrificed his own son by fire, burned him alive for one of his gods. I mean, that he was doing just crazy, disgusting things, things that we, if we look back on now, we think like, how could somebody do that? Like, I couldn't think about hurting my son or, you know, it's, it was just bad what he was doing. But then he had a son named Amon. And he taught his son the same things. The Bible tells us that Amon was just as bad. Amon was doing the same things his father did. And I think that it came to a point where the people were tired of it. And they actually, they actually plotted against him. And they killed him two years after his reign. So then after that comes Josiah. 
And, I mean, what could you expect from Josiah, right? I mean, his, his dad was already evil. His grandpa was already evil. I mean, talking about, talk about a generational curse. I mean, this, guy's, this guy was facing it. He was facing that. I mean, anybody here come from a lineage of, like, you know, parents that made bad decisions? Uh, maybe some of your parents were, were drug addicts, maybe, maybe alcoholics, and, and people look at you now and say, there's no hope for him. It's gonna, he's going to be the same as his parents were. He's going to be the same as his mom, the same, same as his dad. But, you know, God takes us through that. And God has the power to break even generational curses. And I don't know where you come from, but I come from a family. I come from a background of, of like, wickedness, if, if I could be honest with you. Like, uh, I, I've shared some with, with some of our classmates. Uh, I shared some stories of the things that you see where, where my family comes from. And, and it, it's, it's pretty similar to what we read here in the Bible. And, but, you know, God wants to change that. He wants to transform that in our lives. He wants to use us for extraordinary things. So what was different for Josiah? First of all, I believe that Josiah had a godly mother. And I bet she was a praying mother at that. Because how many of you know there's power in a praying mother? In a mother who prays. Where are all my praying mothers at? All the mothers that pray relentlessly for their children. I mean, I'm a product of that. I'm a, I'm a, I'll tell you, like... I, yeah, I grew up in church, and, you know, I told you the story, but there was a time in my life where I didn't want anything to do with church. I, want, I turned my back on the church because, um, you know, it's just personal beliefs and decisions, but, you know, my mother was always praying for me. She was always praying. I remember I'd come home at late hours of the night, and I'd hear her praying. She'd come, like, she'd walk me into my room just putting hands on me, and, I, and I'd be so annoyed by it. I'd be like, Mom, get away from me. Why are you even praying? Your prayers don't work. Her prayers worked. Her prayers worked. The, the prayers of a mother will tell you. So, mother, don't give up on praying. Don't give up on the, if you're watching online and you're a mother, don't give up on praying for your kids because God will do something. I believe that because I'm a product of that. So it says that uh, Josiah's mo mother was Jedidah, and that means darling of Jehovah, darling of Yahweh. That she, was, she was dear to the Lord. And I believe that's one of the reasons why Josiah was able to make good decisions because I believe the mother was just there. Like, he's coming in, or she's praying for him, like, oh, you're going to do good things. You're going to do good things. You're going to do good And that got into his mind, I believe. The Bible doesn't really say that, but I believe that. And so now we have Josiah. It says that he did the right thing before the eyes of the Lord. He did the right thing. And so now we, we, uh, we, we, so we continue in the life of Josiah. And Josiah now decides he's going to rebuild the temple because the temple had, you know, been abandoned. They had done all kinds of crazy things to it. So Josiah's like, you know, we're going to rebuild this thing. Kind of like what we're doing here, you know, like Josiah is like Pastor Josh, and, you know, he tells one of his high priests named Salah. That's not really his name, but we're doing it for the sake of the story because Salah's running the project. So he had one of the priests that was running the project. So Josiah goes, hey, buddy, I want you to go run this project, and I want you to start, you know, knocking things down like we're going to do here soon. Uh, so they start knocking things down, and they start Going through, uh, you know, just going through the whole phase of construction, and they happened to run into the Word of God, which at the time had been lost. They didn't have the Word of God. They didn't have it. They didn't have the Bible. Uh, so they, they, Josiah was just kind of 
from what he would hear, I believe, from what he would hear from his mother and what he would hear of his ancestors uh, like David. So he was just acting on that. But then they came and they found the Bible. And the priest comes and he reads the Bible out loud. And this is where we're going to pick up in 2 Kings 22, 11 to 13. It says, so when the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to Hilkiah, the priest, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Isaiah, the king's personal advisor. And he said, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah. Inquire about the words written in the scroll that has been found, for the Lord's great anger is burning against us. Because of our ancestors, they have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. So what did Josiah do different? That he went from ordinary to extraordinary. What? And I, we, we can find two things in this passage. The first thing that he did was he got into God's word. He got into God's word, and that's super important. So if you're taking notes, that's super important. That's something that you have to write down. Get into God's word. You know, because they didn't have the word of God, so they didn't know. Because wherever the word of God is not, sin will be there. Because the word of God exposes it exposes sin in our life. The word of God will tell us what we're doing wrong. The word of God will point us towards goodness and away from sin. You know, we live in a, we live in a time where we have the most access to the Bible. And yet there's so many people that don't know about God's word. The word, the word is lost in many people's lives, even though we have we have online Bible. We have different versions of the Bible. Like, there, there's so many, so many resources out there for us to get to know God better. Yet we're in the, you know, one of the most lost generations that th this world has seen. God's word was, was unknown. And, but now, you know, they found it. They found it and they got into it. And, um... Where are all my Lighthouse Leadership College classmates at? Come on, let's go. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not in this cycle of it, I, I encourage you to sign up for the next cycle because let me tell you, it's super cool. Like we hit some topics that are just like, wow, like mind blown. And one of the topics we actually talked about was the importance of reading God's word out loud. That how it was written for us to read it out loud. How faith comes from hearing. And I, I love something that Brother Ed said. Brother Ed, he's a, he's a mechanic. And he was talking about sometimes he gets these parts for the cars. And he'll read the instructions on them in his mind. But then it won't make sense to him. And he'll be like, hmm, like, what is it? What? what? So he'll have to read it out loud. And he, and he said something that was, that was key to me in my mind. He said, when I read it out loud, it makes more sense to me and I can understand it better. And I want to tell you that the Bible is the same way. When it's read out loud, there's, there's things that you get. There's things that you'll understand even better when, when you read it out loud because the Bible was meant to be read out loud. And so that, I believe that that's, that was a key moment for Josiah when he heard the word of God because it was read out loud. And he heard it and he was like, oh, my gosh, what have we been doing? So the first thing is to get into God's word. How do you go from ordinary to extraordinary? You go and you get into God's word. 
The second thing you do is you repent urgently. When you read the word of God and, and, you, and you realize what you've been doing, you realize that you haven't been living a life according to what God has called you to live, you should have a repentance, like an immediate repentance. The Bible tells us that when Josiah, he, when he heard the words that were being read from the book of the law, it tells us that he felt so bad that he started ripping off his garments. He started ripping off his clothes because that's how bad he felt. He felt like, oh my gosh, like I'm disgusting in the presence of God. I'm, I'm, I've done things that I shouldn't have been doing. And so he was convicted. Right away he was convicted And that's what we need to do. The, the, the call to repentance in our life, it needs to be immediate, like right away. Like when you hear something in the word of God, when you get into his word and when you start reading, and, and, because the Bible is like a mirror, right? Not only can we look into it, but it looks into us. And it exposes things in us. You ever, you ever, you ever wake up, like I woke up this morning, and I look in the mirror, and my hair was like, boom, like all over the place, and I'm just like, whoa, that was a good night's sleep. But what I do, I, I grab some water right away, and I fix it, right? You know what the worst is? The worst is when you go eat tacos, you know, and you're just having a good time, and you're, and you're talking to people, and you're, you know, you're eating your tacos, and then you go for a bathroom break, and then you look in the mirror, and there's a big piece of cilantro, like right there. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I've been talking like this this whole time. And isn't it the, like, if somebody tells you you have something in your teeth, like, that's a real one. Like, that's a real friend. Like, you need to keep that friend because that friend will tell you, like, hey, bro, like, right here. And then, you know. But what do you do when you see it? You, you fix it right away. I mean, I, I, I would hope you will. I would hope that, you know, you'd, like, get in there and, you know, you got to do the face. Like, uh, get in there. Uh, but that's how the Bible is. The Bible will expose things that are wrong with us in our life. The Bible will tell us, hey, you've been doing this wrong your whole life. Hey, you need to change this. And our response should be to fix it right away. If we do that to our physical appearance, how much more important is it to our spiritual appearance? Amen? It's important that when we read something in the Bible and it exposes our sin, that we do something about it immediately. And the Bible tells us that that's what Josiah did. That he immediately repented he felt so bad about it that he, he felt so bad about it and he sent, he sent the priest to go and pray for him. He, said, he, said, he sent the priest and he said, hey, go pray for us. Go pray for the people. Go pray for all of Judah because what we haven't been doing, what's in God's word. And let me tell you that when you do that, when you get into his word and when you repent, there's grace that falls over your life. You know, we have grace because of what Jesus did in our lives. Because what Jesus did on the cross, he, he took our sin. He took all, all of the law. He fulfilled it. He was the only one that could ever do that. And he took that so that we wouldn't have to face the consequences. And then Josiah, he, he experienced the same grace. The Bible tells us that when he sent the priests to go and pray for him, what the prophet uh, gave a message for him to hear. And it was like, yeah, you guys are doomed. Like, you know, Judah's going to be destroyed. Everything's going to be destroyed. But the Lord will have mercy on you, and he won't do it until after your time. God, Josiah received mercy from God. And I'm telling you today, if you, if you come with, with a heart of repentance, there's mercy for you too. 
God will forgive you, and he'll say, yeah, you do deserve the punishment, but you know what? You're not going to see it. I'm going to forgive you. The third thing that we see is Josiah committed to obedience. And we're going to read that in 2 Kings 23, verse 3. It says, So then the king took his place of authority besides the pillar, and he renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. We see that he makes a covenant of obedience. Not only that, but he makes a public statement. He makes it public. He makes it law. He, he makes sure that all the people that surrounded him, that they knew this new discovery that they had made. He, he, he tells everybody, hey, look, we've been doing things wrong. We've been doing things wrong, excuse me. But this is how we're going to do things now. This is how we're going to do things now. And the same thing applies for us. If we want God to take us from the ordinary to extraordinary, yeah, yeah, we should get into his word. We should have a heart of repentance. But we should also live a life of obedience. Because God didn't come to fulfill the law just so that we are free to sin. That's not, that's not really how it works. He came to fulfill the law so that when we couldn't live up to it, because Romans tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. And that's true. I mean, I fell week after week after week. I have things that I think about, and maybe things that I say, maybe the way I act. But it's a heart of repentance and a willingness to obey. If you're willing to obey, I mean, God's going to take you to that next level. God will take you to, to where his purpose is for your life. But there has to be a willingness of obedience. And, and this is what he did. He, he said, I'm going to make a whole new covenant with God, and we're going to obey his words. And it was, also a, it was also a public statement. We can almost compare it to baptism. And maybe that's a step that some of you need to take. Maybe that's a step. Maybe you have heard the word of God, and you've been getting into his word, and God's been speaking to you. And maybe you did repent, and you asked God for forgiveness because you realized the things that you were doing. But maybe your next step is a step of obedience. And in a few weeks, we're going to have baptisms here, like Pastor Phil was telling us. So I really encourage you that you go to that tent right here after we conclude with the service, and you register, and you take that step. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. I mean, what chances do we have of being here tomorrow? I mean, we can leave this place and, you know, I mean, God forbid, but something could happen. And did you take that step of obedience? Don't let it get to a point where, where it's too late. You know, repent immediately, but also come to a new agreement that you're going to obey God. And then the, the last thing I want to share with you guys, and I'm coming to a close if the musicians can uh, help us out here. But number four is purge the things that hold you back. And this one to me is, is super cool because I read this in the Bible and I'm like, man, Josiah was such a savage. He went crazy getting rid of things that were holding him back. Maybe not just holding them back, but pushing them even further away from God. And we read in this next text 
2 Kings 23, 11 and 12, just a little glimpse of what he was doing. He said, he removed from the entrance of the Lord's temple the horse statues that the former kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were near the quarters of Nathan Melech, the eunuch, an officer of the court. The king also burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. Josiah tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had built on the place, on the palace roof above the upper room of Ahaz. The king destroyed the altars of Manasseh that Manasseh had built in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. He smashed to bits and scattered the pieces in the Kidron Valley. I mean, this guy was destroying, destroying anything that was pushing him away from God. And this is an important step to take because maybe you've taken all the other steps that we just mentioned, you know, and God wants to take you to extraordinary things. He wants to use you in the extraordinary, but maybe there's something in your life that is pushing you away from God. Maybe it's bad company that you know, oh, these guys are no good for me, oh, but it's so much fun. It makes me feel so good. But is it? pushing you closer to God or is it pushing you away? And I could imagine Josiah just breaking things, like committed. Like, I'm going to get closer to God, but these things are keeping me away. I'm going to get closer to God, but I can't have these things surrounding us. There's things that are surrounding your life that are keeping you away from God. And I, I love how savage Josiah was because he was he was literally grinding them down to the dust. If you keep reading in this chapter, he comes to a gravesite and he sees the graves of the pagan priests that were buried there. And and this is how savage he was that Josiah ordered, hey, dig up those graves of those people that were pagan and doing all these pagan things. I want you to dig them up. And the Bible tells us that they dug them up. Like, this is how committed Josiah was to wanting to be used by God. So committed that he dug things out, and he says, now I want you to burn them. Isn't that crazy? Like, I mean, they're already buried. They're already dead. But it's like Josiah had this feeling like there's nothing that's going to be here, not even a memory that's going to take us away from God. Yeah. He took them out, and he burned them. What's in your life that maybe you got to, you know, get rid of completely? Because there's things in our lives that we really have to completely get rid of. Addictions. But, you know, as we, as we approach spring, there's also things that I think about. And, you know, it, it's pruning. Not necessarily do you have to get rid of it and burn it and, you know, get rid of the ashes. But maybe there's some things that you have to cut back on. See, because when you prune a plant, you don't get rid of the plant. You just cut a piece of it off. That, and it allows it to grow even more. There's some plants that, that have branches, and these branches are not really healthy, but they're taking in the water that could go to another branch that would produce more fruit. So what do you do? You get, you get rid of that branch. You get rid of it. Get rid of it. And maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're thinking, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't have any addictions. Or nothing's pushing me away from God. 
But maybe something is keeping you from growth. Maybe there's something, like, sometimes we get so into our hobbies and we prioritize our hobbies before God. Because we want to have the nice car or because we want to have, you know, the, the greatest highlight reels and we're addicted to our social medias and we're addicted to, you know, going out and hanging out with friends and which is maybe that's not necessarily bad, but is it bringing you closer to God? Is it bringing you to a place where, yeah, this is going to push me towards God? So maybe you don't necessarily need to get rid of something, but you do need to cut back on something to allow different areas in your life. And it could hurt. It could hurt. Pruning hurts. Pr pruning hurts the plants. Scientific proof will tell you that these plants, they have feeling. They get sad when you prune them in the wrong season. They, they do. Sometimes they'll die. I mean, I'm a pro at killing plants, and I, I learned from my wife. She kills all the plants, but she tries. I love you. But you know what I'm saying? There's God, the Bible tells us that he's the master gardener. He's the master gardener. He knows what areas in our lives he needs to prune. He knows what areas in our life he needs to cut back. And he'll do it in the perfect season. And yeah, it, yeah, it might hurt. We might go through some pain. But you know, the consequence of that is we're growing. We will grow. We will grow from those things. And those are four things that I wanted to share with you that will take you from ordinary to extraordinary because extraordinary extraordinary will leave a legacy extraordinary will leave a legacy you know the bible tells us that about josiah because of the things that he did the bible tells us that josiah there was no king like him neither before or after that's the legacy he left behind don't you want to leave a legacy like that for your children for your family that's the legacy that he left behind. He left the legacy. And we see that it's so extraordinary that even in the book of Matthew, when it breaks down the lineage, you know, we talk about lineage sometimes with our classmates in, uh, you know, the Lighthouse Leadership College that you got to join on the next semester. Um, but we talk, we, we've gotten to this conversation about lineage. And we're like, oh, well, lineage, I don't know. I just go through it. Um, you know, and I've done that too. But you catch things when the lineages are, break, are broken down. And one of the things I see in Matthew is when they're breaking down the lineage of Jesus, you see Josiah right there. And, and I just, I just, I, I wasn't even going to include that, but I just realized that um, we, we, we were in Vegas last week, and um, as we were going to bed, uh, I like to put things on so I can listen to the word of God out loud because it's, it's important. And I put on, I was like, I, I asked my son, what do you want to listen to, Elijah? He's like, put on the book of Matthew. I was like, all right, book of Matthew it is. Boom. So I put on the book of Matthew on my Bible app. I hit play. It reads it for you, man. It'll put you to sleep like so peacefully. You'll have good dreams. You'll have a blessed night. Like you'll wake up so refreshed. And uh, I believe it's because it's the word of God. It's, it's you know, it's, man, so good. But they start breaking down the lineage. I'm like, oh, lineage. And I start listening for names because I always like listening for names. And then, boom, Josiah right in there. 
I'm like, that's my boy Josiah. I'm going to preach about him on Sunday. Let's go. Josiah was in the lineage of Jesus. And it and made me think, what if Josiah would have never done these four things? What if he would have never found the word of God? Or what if he did find the word of God but never got into it? What if he would have never repented right away the way he did? What, what if he would have never committed to a life of obedience? What if he would have never purged? What if he was missing one of these steps? Would he still be in the lineage? That's legacy. That's legacy right there. And I, we were all destined for legacy. If you're here under this tent, that means that God has called you. You're not here by coincidence. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your legacy. Come on, you could be the generational curse breaker, and it could start today. But are you willing to go through those four things? And if you could just stand up. We're here week after week. Week after week, we are here. And every week, we have the opportunity that Josiah had. You know, we get, to, we get into the Word of God every Sunday. Every Sunday we're here and we dig deep and Pastor Josh, shout out Pastor Josh because he's an incredible communicator. Come on, can we give it up? He goes in week after week. He brings a fire word week after week. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for that because I'm always learning something from him. And then I see him. I see him on Tuesday, Lighthouse Leadership College. I see him. And, and I'm learning again. And I'm like, oh, man, that's good. That's good, Pastor Josh. That's good. I never thought about it like that. But each and every Sunday, he comes and he gives us the opportunity to do those four things. We hear the word of God. But do you repent? Because we have an altar call where you have that opportunity to repent for what you've done. Repent for the mistakes you've made, for the bad decisions that you've made. And also, you have an opportunity to commit to obedience. Like I said, in three weeks from now, if you haven't been baptized and God is speaking to you, that tent is where you need to be. That tent. Make the decision. Sign up. Get baptized. Three weeks from now, I would love to see people here taking that step. But also, get, get rid of things. Get rid of things that are not helping you. Get rid of things that are distracting you from coming closer to God. We want to give the opportunity like we do every Sunday. Maybe you're saying, yeah, this is me. I do need to come back to God. God is speaking to me. And so we have this opportunity. So if right there where you are, if you just close your eyes and you just bow your heads, this is for the privacy of everyone. And if you're saying, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to rededicate my life back to, back to Jesus. I, I've left. I've left and I need to come back. And maybe you've never taken that decision before and you're saying, yeah, this is my first time. I'm going to make that decision and I want to do it for you, Jesus, because you've called me. You spoke to me. I hear your word. I repent. I want to commit to obedience and I want to start getting rid of things in my life that are holding me away from you. If that's you at the count of three, we just lift your hands. One, two, three. Amen. We see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everybody else, would you just help me pray for everybody? Jesus, we pray in your mighty name, God, for every person that has their hands lifted, God. Would you just touch their hearts right now? I thank you that you've spoken. I thank you that your word has gone through. And I thank you that there's taking a step, God, right now.
to repent. And I ask for your forgiveness and your grace, just like you showed Josiah. Just like you showed Josiah mercy, would you show each and every person here mercy right now, God? Show them that they are forgiven, that it doesn't matter what they've done, that you forgive them and you are calling them, you are calling them by name. Jesus, I pray that from this moment on, they would commit to a life of obedience, doing what your word calls us to do, Father. And that we would begin to get rid of things, God, that are stopping us from living an extraordinary life that you've called us to. Call us closer to your purpose, Jesus, and fulfill our destiny in you, God. In Jesus' name. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.